coming to church for just that. That was great. All right, let's get our Bibles out. Number or First uh, uh, John, First John one or First John three, excuse me, verses one through three. Let's start there. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus appeared uh, many times to people. He, uh, they were unexpected to to see him. They did not expect to see him at the times when he appeared. Uh, Mary in the garden when Jesus was resurrected she ran into him and she thought he was the gardener didn't she and uh, she was shocked when she found out it was the Lord Uh, the apostle Paul got to see Jesus and he got to talk with him he was uh, you know personally taught by the Lord Jesus in Damascus and personally, on the road to, to Damascus, he was, he, he was knocked to the ground. They, the Lord appeared to him. And then uh, later on, the Lord appeared to him in Corinth. And he said, don't you worry. No man shall set upon thee to hurt thee. I have much people in this city. A lot of times in the Bible, we don't realize it, but Jesus appeared to people. He appeared in the upper room. Or not the upper room, but at, at church in the evening, the, the first time they had church on a, on a Sunday evening. Uh, in the, the first time, the week earlier, Thomas wasn't there, right? And so uh, the, next, the next Lord's Day, uh, in the evening, they were having church. And that's why we had church on Sunday evening, because they did. But Jesus said, Thomas, come here. And he appeared in the flesh to touch to let thomas touch him and you know when when we realize that jesus christ is going to come and appear again we seem to have a mental block there well we we need to be ready uh, and understand that jesus could appear without without warning too much warning i'm i'm sure we'll hear a trumpet sound uh we we're going to hear the voice of the archangel the Bible says we're going to hear, we're going to, we're going to see the Lord in the clouds. But what if He came tonight? What are we ready for that? Are you are you spiritually ready for the appearance of the Lord? And tonight uh, we're going to uh, take a look at that that wonderful thought. Let's go to First John chapter three, verse one through three, and let's hold our place there and pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together. God, I never take it for granted. I love the fact that we get to have church. And our country's going crazy, Lord. We, 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 uh, we don't understand all about it, but you have everything under control. You've never lost control of the world. You're still God the Father. You're still God the Holy Spirit. And you're still God the Son. And there's nothing too hard for thee. And you're the God of all flesh. And we pray that you would help us and encourage us tonight to be ready and to be waiting for you and to and to, to anticipate the fact that you could appear to us. And we, we want this hope to keep us going, Lord. We pray that you'll bless this message to our hearts and help us to filter through all the terrible things in this world and put them aside that we might build our faith in you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's look at verse number one here. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, 
it's important for us to understand that we're never going to be understood by the world. The world doesn't understand us. They don't know us. That's what the Bible says. Because it knew him not. The world didn't know Jesus. They don't care about the Lord. But, but we do. And so there's the difference. Look at verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear, there's that word tonight we're going to look at, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, that's the message, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure let me ask you this what gets you through the hardest times in life what keeps you stable what keeps you motivated in your life and what keeps you encouraged well it should be the appearance of jesus we're waiting for him we've been bragging about him we've been telling the world about him we we give money and, and help others to go to foreign countries to tell others about Jesus. I'm thankful that we've got this uh, plot of ground paid off. The whole reason we have this property here is because we have a church that is owned by the Lord, and we want Jesus' name to be magnified right here at this address. We want Jesus Christ to be, to be known, and we want his name to be Magnified. What keeps us going, though, is the fact that he could come back. Do you have anything in your life that you're going to miss if Jesus were to come back? How about that car? Anybody uh, attached to it? You know, it's really safe to get a car that has some problems. (laughs) Because you don't get attached to them very good. So that's why your car has little bugs. God doesn't want you to love that thing too much. Hey, is there anything that keeps you from looking forward to the appearing of the Lord? Any possession? Now, the loved ones that we have, we better make sure that they're saved. We better do all we can to, to to give them the gospel so they can receive Christ. That's what I'm going to regret a loved one, a relative that doesn't know Jesus. Somebody that I am acquainted with that doesn't know the Lord. That's what I'm going to go. But what keeps me going? There's nothing in this world that I can't say goodbye to. I mean, I, I, I can't wait to say goodbye to some of the stuff. How, how many would like to say goodbye to all the, the hate and all the turmoil and all the struggle and all the politics? I'd like to say goodbye to all the politics. Anybody want to say goodbye forever? Amen. And then you'd have one person, a king, the Lord Jesus. I mean, then, then I'm going to fall in love with politics. You know what politi- politics is? Uh, poly is many, and a tick is a bloodsucker. <laughs> so they're politicians up on the hill they're nothing but a bunch of bloodsuckers that's what I, I I don't know you know what a, you know what the expert is X is has been and a spurt is just a drip under pressure 
So Fauci is a... <laughs> he's an expert. Yeah, he's a has-been drip under pressure. That's all you... Oh, I love those. And I don't even know what they're called. An acronyms or something? I don't know. But, uh, you know, the, the, the coming of the Lord is going to be so wonderful. His appearing is closer and closer. Now you say, oh, I know why you're preaching this message. Because it's easy. No, it's just really fun. It's really fun to think that we're Christians. We're going to go to heaven. I was talking to Brother uh, Kenny today. And uh, I did not know how close he was to death's door. He almost checked out. And I, th I thought, man, alive. I mean, can you imagine going to the doctor and say, it's a good thing you came in here today because you might not have been able to come here tomorrow. And he had, of course, the procedures. But, wow, uh, Brother Kenny was saying, what's the big deal? <laughs> you going to threaten me with heaven? <laughs> Yeah, you know, John R. Rice had a guy in an elevator pull a pistol on him and try to rob him in an elevator. And John R. Rice was a great, great, wonderful pastor back in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He was an evangelist and charge, uh, founder of the Sword of the Lord newspaper. <laughs> and the story went, he goes, he always had glasses down on the tip of his nose. And when he looked at everybody, he talked like this when he preached. And he was really slow, and he goes... Oh, I just want to tell you, you need to get right with God. That's right. Get right with God. You know? So he was in the elevator. Guy pulled a, pulled a pistol on him. He said, you can't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> I wish I'd have been there a fly on the wall. Wouldn't that be great? The guy's sitting there. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not going to get any money. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> But he witnessed to him, and he put the gun away and went on his way. How'd you like to have that kind of faith? Because <laughs> we're waiting on the Lord. We're, we're waiting for the Lord to come back. And we have a promise of his appearing. For those who are living in sin, for those who are living in, in sin, this is, is good for them. Because... I want you to know, uh, you, you have a human nature. Um, have you ever been at work in your place of employment at any time in your life when the boss was going to come in and, and see you or, or walk through and, and notice how you were working? Like the manager. When I, first, my first real job was at Jack in the Box. I had to wear them funny, stupid, little weird hats, <laughs> flipping burgers and taking orders, and you know, oh, it was terrible. But boy, we were goofing around. We did goof around a lot. We ate a lot of food. We cooked it ourselves. We ate a lot of food. It was, you know, uh, just uh, that part of the job was great. But when the manager was coming in, everybody got really serious, cleaned up everything, ready to go because the manager's coming in. And he was an ex-army officer. And he was real short. Nothing wrong with being short, it's just that he was mean and short. <laughs> he was really mean. Man, I, got, I, I, can, I know why he was a manager of a jack-in-the-box. But he, he, he was kind of 
just too big for his britches, I think. <laughs> but uh, we we had we feared him. We 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 were not really happy when he came around. Those that are living in sin are like a jack-in-the-box employee when the manager comes around. You know, it's good for them that the appearing of the Lord is actually going to be really good because it, it, it causes people to, to straighten up and fly right and get busy and straighten everything up and do, what's, do what they should do, get busy what they're doing. And then, you know, you see the anticipation of the world, the Lord coming back. It's actually very good for them. They, if they could think about the Lord coming back, it might cause them to receive Christ because he's coming back. But then for those who are living for the Lord, you and I that live for the Lord, um, it's almost like, you know, have you ever seen those videos of the soldiers coming home? They get off the plane and their family's waiting for them. And they come across the tarmac and the little kids in the little dresses and stuff, they go buzzing out there, throw themselves at their daddy coming off the airline or the plane, and uh, he drops his bags and scoops up his little kids and hugs them, and the mom comes with two or three others, and they finally just smash in together, and after all that long deployment, they're hugging. I, I, I cry almost every time I see one of those, because, you know, one day, I, I was the recipient of that, my, my ship came into San Diego one time. The church family was there waiting on the pier with signs. And uh, we, were, we came back from a six-month deployment. And uh, my buddy, my buddy George, his name was George Angel. And I think he was an angel. He was just a godly man. I just we, we prayed together. We stayed out of trouble. We went on liberty together and visited things. It just had a great time. Played chess. Always got beat always the guy was just amazing but george and i were sitting up there on the on the railing of the ship and uh we were looking and this great big huge ship was kind of moving close you know sideways up to the pier the tugboats were pushing us up and we saw this sign from the people at the lighthouse baptist church they had this great big huge butcher paper sign it said, welcome home, Tav and George. And I'm just like, yeah, no way that my church is here. You know, this is, this is so incredible. I never felt so good. It, it, it was just fantastic because they took time. They, got, they had to get ushered onto the base. They made the, the, you know, made the effort, and they had a big van, and they brought all the people. I, I, there was, I'll never forget that as long as I live. You know, for, for, for the Lord to come back and have us ready for him with signs and banners, we can't wait to see Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our King. He's our Captain. He's everything. He's the one that gave you life. He's the one that has a place for us. We've got a mansion. We've got golden streets. We've got a place. We've got a new name. All the things that Jesus has told us, he's got for us. And then he says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. But when he does appear, look at verse 2 now. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. And the world knows nothing about what we're talking about. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're kin. You're kin to him. You're family. And you know him and he knows you. Those who are living in sin... They're just fearful to, 
like the boss coming in, you know, like the manager of the store comes, and like the bank president comes in and, oh, I better make sure everything's okay. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't want to serve God like that. How, how many say amen to that? I don't want to serve God out of that kind of fear. Oh, oh, I better not go. Oh, boy, I better. Oh, I better. I don't want to live like that. I want to be one that say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> I, want, I, want to, I want to be, he's coming back. Praise God. I'm ready. Yes. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't want to live my life in fear of the Lord in that way. Paul stayed ready. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul was ready. And listen, I'll tell you what. If you practice the anticipation that the Lord's going to appear, I know it's difficult. You can't, you can't do this all day. And I realize that. I, but there's something in our spirit that has to maintain this uh, anticipation. Um it's not like we stop everything, right, and just wait by the phone. <laughs> oh, the funniest illustration of a new married couple, my old pastor gave. They got married, and then the the husband said, "I'm just going to stay right here with you all day long." And she's, "Oh, that's so sweet, my brand new husband. He's." He loves me so much. He's, he just wants to stay right here with me. And so the next day, he says, she says, well, honey, I'll see you when you get home from work. He goes, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to sit right here in the kitchen. I'm going to watch everything you do, and I'm going to just sit here and just adore you. And she, well, that's nice. Um, and then the next day, by the time... He, he, he didn't do anything. He wouldn't get out of the house. And uh, the, the illustration was that pretty soon it's like, okay, good. You love me. Now get out there and get some groceries and get out there and get some money. And come on, take care of this house. So uh, we, we don't stop everything we're doing and just wait by the telephone or sit there and stare up at the sky 24-7. That's just nuts. We're supposed to anticipate the return of the Lord while we're busy. You know that song we sing, they that wait upon the Lord. You know what that word wait is? That's, that's not a noun. That's not W-E-I-G-H-T. It's a verb. Like the word we wait on, on people. You, you're a, you go to a restaurant someday, you ever go back, uh, you'll, you'll have a waiter, Right? Have you ever seen a waiter just standing there and doing nothing? He's like, get me some food, dude. Get, see this glass? This is a water glass. Did you see, you know, this says it's supposed to have water in it. You get it? Uh, I made a joke at a waitress one time. Oh, she was mad. Not really mad, just like, oh, I said something I should. My brother and I were in Seattle. And we were at a uh, kind of like a roadside cafe. We were just goofing around and joking, and we were kind of teasing this waiter, this waitress, and uh, and um, my my brother, he uh, Scott, he was kind of egging me on. And uh, so as she walked away, we were oh one more thing, and 
oh, I shouldn't have done that. And uh, she, st she, she gave us our food or something. She'd been to our table several times. I, was, I waited until she turned around and I said, oh, can I, can I? Uh, and she turned around with a cup of hot coffee. <laughs> and she said, would you like this in your cup or in your lap? Sorry. A waiter is a busy person. They that wait on the Lord. We're busy. We're busy with Him. We love Him. And we're waiting on Him. That's what that means. We're not sitting down and saying, oh, I just love you so much, I'm not going to do a thing. No, we get out there and we do what God wants us to. We're in His will. 2 Timothy 4, let's look at this. In verse 5, 5 through 8, it says... But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. By the way, every person in this church has a personal ministry. Don't, don't think you don't. You know, oh, pastor has a ministry. I don't have one. Oh, yes, you do. You have a ministry. If you'll search out your heart, he'll tell you what it is. It says... Verse 6, for I am now ready to be offered. My, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. What day is that? That's the day he appears. And not to me only, but to unto all them also that love his, what? His appearing. You see how then there are Christians that are not excited. They don't really think much at all about the Lord coming back. They might not be busy. They might be that jack-in-the-box employee that's goofing around until the manager comes and scares them to death. Or, or they could be that person that's ready for the Lord to appear. You see, this is the Christian. It's not difficult either. We stay busy for the Lord. We get, God, we, get, we get the will of God figured out for our own lives. And we occupy the place where God wants us to occupy. We do what God wants us to do. And we wait for Him. It's a blessing. We're commanded. We're commanded. Um, to uh, to keep co certain commandments until he comes. Look at uh, chapter number six of First Timothy. Let's go back a couple pages. First Timothy chapter six. I love studying First and Second Timothy because they go hand in hand. Uh, verse number eleven. First Timothy six eleven. Let's go there for just a minute. He says, "But thou, O man of God." Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed, a good confession that thou keep this commandment notice this is a commandment to to be ready and to um, uh, to to uh, to follow after righteousness verse 11 look at verse 14 to keep this commandment without spot 
unrebukable until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to keep the commandments of God, not to go to heaven. We're not, we're not, we're not keeping commandments so we can make it into heaven. We're not, we're not obeying God so that one day we could be caught obeying him so that he could take us to heaven because of our good works. That's not what the Bible's teaching here. We keep these commandments so that we can keep that, that anticipation fresh and live for him as if he's going to come. Boy, I, there, there was a doctrine. It came out of, uh, oh my goodness, uh, it was in California somewhere. Some guy came up with this new doctrine. It was called the, uh, the pre-wrath rapture doctrine. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It was the fact that it was the it was the doctrine that said the church, as as we would be a, a church, as a whole, the whole community, the whole family of God, today, the New Testament believers, are going to have to go through the tribulation until almost all the way to the end, and then we go up. And so you know what that does? You know what that does? You be careful. What that does is that takes the hope of the appearing of Jesus away. Number one, the great tribulation hasn't started yet. You think COVID is bad. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you like to have some of these Bible problems? I, I'll tell you what, we've never seen nothing. This is nothing compared to what the devil's going to do when he has full reign. I mean, we're going to wish we had vaccination problem. We're going to wish if we, if we ever had to go through that. Oh, we'd be longing for the days when Inslee was the governor. Yeah, did I just say that? Oh, wow. Slap my mind. But when Jesus said the days of the tribulation would be so bad, it's never been that bad. So they take the hope of the appearing of Jesus completely out of the Christian life. Because if we're not in the great tribulation, and the great tribulation has to get almost done before we get raptured, according to that doctrine, you just took the heart of my, you just, you took my heart away. People are walking around in America right now and some churches say, oh, we're going to go through it. Oh, you wait. We're going to go through the great tribulation. Oh, it's going to get bad. We deserve it. Oh, we're a wicked bunch of people. Oh, oh yeah, I can see it. I can. Well, yeah, it's, the times are going to get evil, and we know that. But we're not going to be in the wrath of God in the great tribulation. That's wrath. God pours out his wrath on every. A third of all the people die in the world. It, if you go looking at all the terrible things when the vials are poured out and all the terrible things in the book of Revelation, and then you put God's bride in that, his church, his people, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And I don't, think, I don't think we should not have the hope of his returning, right? If the apostles had the hope of his return, how come we can't have that? Who took that away? Who's, to, who's taking this away? They all expected Jesus to come back in their day and they died with that hope. And they're going to be blessed in eternity because they died waiting for Jesus. They, they, they anticipated his appearing. That's why you have these words in the Bible. 
John, uh, Peter, and the apostles, all the apostles, everyone that wrote any, any kind of uh, Bible scripture at all, they all expected the return of Jesus to be in their lifetime. You see that? So we should never let this, uh, this hope and anticipation of the Lord coming back, we should never let that leave our, our, our psyche, our heart. We should always anticipate. He didn't come back yesterday, so he might come today. If he doesn't come today, I'll be waiting for him tomorrow. Amen? Amen. It's really important that we have this, uh, this anticipation of his appearing. We're bound by God to look and watch and be ready. Let's go to Titus. We're almost finished here, which I'm in no hurry to finish. <clears throat> You're not either, are you? Oh, I love that. Thank God. Amen. Because I have an, another um, few pages here that I think would be a blessing to you. All right, let's look. Put those tomatoes back. All right, look at, look, look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto uh, to all men, teaching, that, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Folks, this is 2,000 years ago that he said this. And it's just as appropriate this moment of this day. It's a contemporary, powerful word of God that works right now. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Were they looking forward to the return of Christ way back 2,000 years ago? Did he come? No. But did they make a mistake then? Should they just say, oh yeah, we kind of missed it in scripture. I don't think we should have really expected him to come back. No, no, no. God, God told them he was going to come back. He said, you know not what day and hour. You don't know when the Son of Man is going to return. So serve him and love him and be ready. And that's that. It, it, have you ever seen a magnet? that comes over uh, 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 some filings of metal and, you, and it's just enough to move the metal, but it doesn't go up yet. I feel like the Lord has given us all hope as he drags this, this hope throughout the, and people that get excited and get ready and sure, I might, I might die tomorrow. I might die without Jesus uh, being, having come. I'm, I might die before he comes back. That's okay. I've lived my life waiting for him. You've lived your life waiting for him. Isn't it wonderful? Just have that expectation. It's going to cause you to do great things. It's going to cause you to serve him. Uh, let's look lastly at uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter 1 verses 6 and 7. Peter, I think he was the most rambunctious of all the apostles. When he didn't know what to do, he just talked. He came up with all kinds of really good uh, ideas. And by the way, if you do study in Peter's life, he was quite a wonderful apostle. He was awesome. He did things that nobody else did. He walked on water. 
And I don't think any of the other apostles tried that. So I don't want to criticize him at all. But he, he, had, he had a lot of trials in his life. Look at, look at verse 6. Wherein, he said, ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at what? At the appearing. So, did they go through trials? Sure. I think almost every apostle became a martyr except for uh, the apostle John. John the Baptist even lost his head. Trials are, are no reason to lose our faith. In fact, it actually strengthens us that all these trials that we go through that with fire, he uses the word fire there, a fiery trial, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So I don't care what, what, whatever, whatever this world throws our way, we just stand up and say, yep, I can, I can get through this, I got through the last one, I'm going to get through this. And, and even if it's difficult. You know, you know what really makes me angry right now? Fauci, I can't, I can't, that guy, he's, he's, he's insane. He's trying to put up a big bunch of fear now that he wants us all to get ready for a new, a new virus. Are you kidding me? Somebody lock him up and, and take him on a big, long vacation. How about a long walk off a short pier? I don't care. Just whatever it takes. Just get this guy out of our lives. But wait. I think the devil put him there. Yes. And guess what? I got through 2020, and he's not scaring me at all. That's right. He's not gonna, I'm not going to live my life wondering what my next sickness is going to be. Amen. I got Jesus on, on, my, on my side. Let's bow for prayer.